Welcome to the All Around Joe Podcast, where we believe that personal fitness is the key to living a healthy, happy, and productive life. Hope you guys are having a great day and week thus far. This is the second part of a two-part series titled Top 10 Most Frequently Asked Fitness Questions. I tried to get through all of them last week, but I could not do it in one podcast episode, keeping it within my... 15 to 30 minutes of ideal length. So I like to have these podcasts that are not too long. You can get some great nuggets in about 15 minutes, sometimes even shorter. I mean, I really want to give you everything that I have on the particular topic and then let it go. So this is going to be the second part of the podcast top. 10 most frequently asked fitness questions. And you can actually go catch the first five questions over at allaroundjoe.com slash 53. And if you'd like a little bit of a preview or an idea of what those were, if you missed them, the first one on the allaroundjoe.com slash 53 was, what is the best way to lose fat? We tackled that. If I lift weights, will I get bigger muscles? How much or how do I get a flat stomach? Should I do cardio first or weight training first? And do I need to take dietary dietary supplements? We tackled those five questions last week on the All Around Joe podcast. And you can go check those out if you missed them at allaroundjoe.com slash 53. And today, we are going to tackle what is my target heart rate, what is the difference between weight machines and free weights, why are my muscles sore after a workout, how do I get rid of these flabby arms, that's a good one, how often should I work out slash lift weights. So we're going to take down those five questions today, but before I get into that, I want to make sure that you guys, those of you that are taking supplements, make sure that you head over to allaroundjoe.com slash top five to get a list of the top five supplements that I recommend taking. Then you will also get a weekly email from me keeping you posted on the podcasts that come out. But not only that, I will keep you posted when I get special discount codes so, for example, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, I had a special one-day discount code to get 40% off um, Reebok Nanos, or Reebok Nano 4s, I believe it was specifically. So I know a lot of people took advantage of that, got some super discounted Nanos. I definitely did. I ended up paying $59 for a brand new pair of Reebok Nanos. Cannot beat that, or at least I have never beat it yet. So make sure that you head over to allaroundjoe.com slash top five and enter your email address to get top five supplements that I cannot live without and get on my mailing list. Also, if you have any other questions at any time or have any things that you would like me to discuss on the show, shoot me an email at joe at allaroundjoe.com and I'll be happy to answer those questions and get them answered on the live podcast here. So without further ado, let's jump right into these questions. The first is, what is my target heart rate? 
And the real answer to that is it depends on what your goal is. So if you're going to have an endurance goal, like a marathon running goal, then your target heart rate's obviously going to be lower than if you have a, let's say, 400-meter sprint goal or a, let's say, you're doing a Tough Mudder or a Spartan Race type of a goal where you're going to need to lift your heart rate into a higher heart rate zone for those events that you're going to have at the race. So you just really need to determine what that ideal heart rate is going to be for your event and then train in that ideal heart rate zone. So, for example, if I'm going to go run a marathon, I'm going to try and keep my heart rate fairly low when I'm doing my training, or at least when I'm doing my cardio training, uh, sport-specific training. So I might be trying to keep my heart rate around you know, 140-ish, give or take 10 beats. And a lot of my LSD or long slow distance training will then be in that 135 to 145 range when I'm training for that marathon. But if I know that I'm going to be doing a Spartan race and I'm going to have, let's say like a, I think it's called a Spartan sprint or something where it's a shorter race, you're going to be working a little bit harder for a shorter period of time, then maybe you want to do stuff that's more like interval training. So set your target heart rate up quite a bit higher. First off, you'll probably want to figure out what your max heart rate is. The best way to do that is to have a stress test done. Um, The way that I've done that in the past is you get on a treadmill and you run with a heart rate monitor on and you slowly increase the speed and the incline until you really can't keep up with it anymore (laughs) and pretty much fall off the treadmill. At that point, you know exactly where your, uh, your max heart rate is, so the number that was the highest that you saw on your heart rate monitor. And you can use that for calculating the percentages that you want to hit for your training. The more common way of figuring out what your heart rate or your max heart rate is, is taking the number 220 and subtracting your age from it. So if you're 40 years old, then it'd be 220 subtract 40, which would be 180 would be your max heart rate. The only problem with that I've found is that as people are in better shape they have way different results on what their max heart rates are and also their resting heart rates. So if you want to get more technical with it, you can look up something called the Carvonin formula. Let me see if I can figure out how to spell it. K-A-R-V-O-N-E-N, or the Carvonin method. If you look that up, it has, it's a combination of how to use your resting heart rate in combination with your max heart rate to figure out what your essentially what number you should be using for your target heart rate zones. And because you're taking into account your resting heart rate, it's going to be more accurate than if you're just guessing based off 220 minus your age. I mean, what is that's just based off some averages that are probably not very good averages in the first place because we don't have very good data points in order to use to come up with that information. So I know that was a lot of talking about target heart rate and you're pretty much gonna wanna figure out where you wanna be um, based off of what your event is. Like I said, you're gonna be a lot slower if you're doing a marathon um, and you can just 
quickly figure out what your ideal should be for the marathon. It's also going to be determined by how, what kind of shape you're in, but then also you're going to get in better shape as you go through the training. Then also, if, then if you're doing an interval style event, like a Spartan race, uh, Tough Mudder, that type of thing, then you're going to want to probably do more interval training where your heart rate gets spiked up into higher zones for shorter periods of time, then you bring it back down. So you'd imagine like your race, you're going to be running at a fairly a lower heart rate, then you get to an, uh, an obstacle, your heart rate is going to spike for the period of time that you're at the obstacle, then when you're back to running, it's going to go back down. So you would do some sort of an interval training type of thing, which would be similar to CrossFit, and you aren't going to measure your heart rate quite as accurately. You, would, you can do your best with that, but it's not necessarily going to be an accurate zone. You're not gonna be doing an interval training and be doing thrusters, let's say, and say, whoa, my heart rate got too high for that. I'm gonna stop doing thrusters for a second. Just, you know, you're gonna spike your heart rate, then you're gonna bring it down. You're gonna spike your heart rate, then you're gonna bring it down. All right, if you have any questions about that, the specifics of it, um, definitely shoot me an email. I'll be happy to get into it with you. Next question, what is the difference between weight machines and free weights? So this is kind of a question for the average gym goer that's going to the 24 hour fitness or the valleys or whatever it may be. The answer to the question is the difference is going to be that with the free weights, you're going to be having to control the weights. So you're having to stabilize more. <clears throat> when you have to stabilize, your body is going to have to incorporate more muscle groups in order to do that. So if you have a dumbbell, let's say, and you're doing a dumbbell chest press, you're laying down, you're having to stabilize the, the dumbbells, not only in by pushing them up and down, but also forward, backwards, left, right, all of those directions are having to come into play. Whereas if you put yourself on a chest press machine, you're not having to stabilize any of that. You're just having to push. That is all that's going on because the machine is keeping you from going forward or backwards or up or down or left or right. There are some machines that offer uh, more play in them. So there are a couple of chest press machines that I've used before that allow left to right movement. So you do have to stabilize or take that into account when you're pressing. But it's still not going to be the same amount of activation as if you were using a dumbbell or another free weight apparatus. The, the times that you're going to want to use those specific things, I mean, it seems really obvious that a free weight is going to give you more bang for your buck than a machine just because you're having to use the muscles, even if you're not able to use quite as much weight. But it depends again on what your goal is. So if you're a bodybuilder, there are many times that you may want to use some machines as auxiliary work in order to fatigue your muscles and get them to grow. But as the everyday um, fitness athlete or someone that's trying to improve their fitness, you probably don't need those machines in your training routine. For example, I can't tell you the last time I use any kind of 
a fixed weight machine, but I use things like dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells all the time because you're having to control them in space. So I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, it, it's pretty self-explanatory that you just, you're not having to control the weight as much with the machine and you are having to control with the dumbbell. Your body adapts to having to work harder and the dumbbells or the barbells or the kettlebells or whatever the free, free weight um, apparatus is, it's gonna cause your body, force your body to have to work harder. Question number three for today, number eight overall. Why are my muscles sore after a workout? Okay, so this is a great question. Most times people think, oh, I, that's because the lactic acid buildup in my muscles. That's actually not the reason their muscles are getting sore. That's the reason the muscles are feeling a burn in them when you're doing the workout, okay? It's a byproduct of producing the energy is the lactic acid, and that causes your, your body to get that, uh, that like burning sensation in the muscle. But usually that that lactic acid gets cleared out of your body, you know, relatively quickly after you're done exercising. But the reason that you're getting sore is from micro tears in your muscle that are caused during the eccentric portion of the movement. So lowering of the weights. So if you imagine doing a, a laying on your back doing a bench press, when you extend the barbell up, it's called concentric. Okay. When you bring the barbell back down to your chest, it's called eccentric. For some reason, when we're doing the eccentric part of the movement, it causes micro tears in our muscle, which in turn can cause what they call DOMS or delay onset muscle soreness. So you could venture to say that if you wanted to avoid muscle soreness, you could do mostly concentric movements and you'll see that in weightlifters a lot. So for example, Olympic weightlifters don't have a lot of, of the eccentric movements when they're doing, let's say, a snatch or a clean and jerk. So the amount of soreness that they're going to be encountering is going to be far less than someone like a bodybuilder who's, number one, going to be looking for getting that eccentric muscle contraction and delayed onset muscle soreness to try and get their muscles to grow bigger. But also because they're going through that range of motion, they're going to have more muscle soreness. So I hope that makes sense for you. Just eccentric versus concentric and micro tears versus, versus lactic acid. You go in and cause a bunch of micro tears in your muscles if you want to get super sore. Next up, how do I get rid of these flabby arms? <laughs> All right, so that's kind of like the flat stomach question again, coming back around to get us, but I guess it's important to people because it's in the top 10 most frequently asked questions. So getting rid of the flabby arms, you really cannot spot reduce, I'm sorry, just like those abs. This is gonna be a genetic thing where you're, you can't decide where your body's gonna lose fat next. But if you want to get rid of the flabby arms, you're going to have to put yourself into a position to be burning off the body fat. So that means you're going to want to be working out with resistance training, with cardiovascular training, and having a really solid diet. So if you haven't listened to many of my podcasts before, you should definitely go back 
and listen to some of my podcasts about how to lose body fat. I have several of them over the last 50 some episodes. But basically the gist of it is you're going to want to eat really clean, organic, healthy foods and you're going to want to have a moderate amount of protein, high fat and low amount of carbohydrates in order to burn off that body fat that you do not want. So you're essentially rubbing your engine with the weights, or I should say, you're building your engine with the weights, you're revving your engine with the cardio, and you're burning off the fat, well, you're supporting the, the muscle, but burning off the fat with the diet. And there's really not any special things that you can do to get rid of this, you know, it's hard work. So any of those people, I know that there's always, you're always looking for the shortcuts and things like that. And I'm always testing out supplements and things to make sure that, or to see if they work and little things will help in little ways, but you have to put in the hard work with the weights, with the cardio, with the diet in order to get the real results. So I hope that helps. Dive into that, get rid of those flabby arms. Just get to work. Come on, people. And the last question in this two-part series is how often should I work out slash lift weights? So this is a great question. I get it quite often. And it again comes back to what your goal is, right? If you just want to be healthy, you can work out and lift weights, you know, three days a week. Get that body. You just make sure that you're working out hard enough that your body's going to have to, it's going to provide a stimulus and your body's going to have to adapt to it. But I would never tell someone to work out three days a week that wants to get real results, okay? We're just talking about the person that wants to stay healthy, you know, stay disease-free, which I don't, I don't agree with at all. I don't think anybody should be in that category working out three days a week. I think you should all be trying to work out uh, four to five days a week, getting that done. It, you know, you can get in five days a week. Your body is meant to move. All right, so shoot for that, and if you miss a day, then you get four days a week, you know, and some days maybe you'll feel extra good and you'll do six days a week, right? You're going to have to pay attention to how your body is recovering and also be, always be listening to that, but know that you should be shooting for about five days a week, and that's five days a week of, of everything, right? Five days a week of weight training, and then mix in that cardio, right? I don't think of them as different workouts. Some days you're going to go in and your, your workout's going to be, you know, like for example, yesterday I had a workout that was three rounds of 16 dumbbell squat snatches and running 400 meters. So I had some decently heavy squat snatches in there, which are the weight training plus the cardiovascular training of running the 400s. That was only one component of my workout for the day, but you get the example or get the idea where you're going to try and put those two things together. Or another example is like you start off your day with some heavy back squats, then you go into maybe some gymnastics practice, then you finish off with one of those metabolic conditioning pieces that has cardio intervals in it, you know, or some weight training with some cardio or even if you're doing you have to think about it this this way too if you're doing weight training at a light enough weight that you can continue moving so maybe three different exercises like 
uh, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, running, or something like that. That's four. But uh, you, as long as you can keep those moving without having to rest too much, then you're going to be getting your cardio well doing those particular exercises. So you can kill two birds with one stone. You're probably going to get a lot more out of it in a shorter period of time, which will enable you to easily get five days a week in. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. I'm right at about 20 minutes here, 21 minutes, which is a little bit on the long side, but I'll take it for the All Around Joe podcast. As usual, if you have any questions about anything that we've addressed in the show, or if you want another question answered, shoot me an email at joe at allaroundjoe.com. And remember that you can find the show notes at allaroundjoe.com slash 54 for this one. If you wanted to go and start from the beginning on the top 10 questions, go to allaroundjoe.com slash 53. And last but not least, just so you've heard it a few times, you're probably like, stop saying it. But head over to allaroundjoe.com slash top five to get the top five supplements that you can't live without and get on my mailing list to get emails about the weekly podcasts and when I have exclusive deals coming from vendors like Reebok. All right, guys. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I certainly have enjoyed trying to teach you a little bit about the top 10 most frequently asked fitness questions. The All Around Joe podcast, where we believe that personal fitness is the key to living a healthy, happy, and productive life. I will see you on the next podcast.